Alright. State your name, cuz. Storm's in it. And what are we doing today? Rapping in it. Yeah? <laughs> Fucking rapping in it. Yeah? Fire in the pot. <laughs> Let's go. But heaven help us, Michael. I, I, if this is the way the game of Gaelic football is going to go, because I've seen the apocalypse there in the last 38, 38 minutes. Remember that tribe in, in Iraq, the Shiite tribe? Well, we've watched Shiite football for the last. Welcome to another week of Action Replay Extra Time. Today we'll be talking GA with Colm Keyes from the Irish Independent and we'll be chatting to Sam Phillips from Australia on Super Rugby. Starting off with GA, Colm, thanks very much for joining us. I'm going to start with uh, the hurling anyway and I'm going to start with the, to the league leaders and the defending champions, Waterford. They avoided a bit of a scare party ring on, on Saturday night. Do you think that the match against Kilkenny with the heavy conditions, the doughy pitch in Welsh Park took its toll in the last 10 against Cork? Possibly did. That's a six-day turnaround for them. Uh, obviously, it was the same for Cork too. But given the energy that Waterford expend uh, with their the type of game that they play, and the fact that a lot of their players were involved with colleges during the week, Austin Leeson, Colin Dunford, Shane, Shane Bennett, all of those guys involved, uh, it probably did take its toll. But I was actually at that game and... I think they were so comfortable for so long that they may just have switched off a little bit, just a little bit, and allowed Cork back into the game. And I suppose maybe the incident involving Aidan Aiden Walsh and sustained a broken nose in oh, uh, a yeah. high challenge from Austin Gleeson, which I think Cork would acknowledge was was unintentional, accidental, but still... The ref should have called it back. The, he there, should there was have. He missed, that was point. a bad miss from the referee. Having said that, that can happen. It happened very fast. It was very difficult for everyone to see. But it was a big swing, and I think the red rage came in Cork after that. And they were certainly more frantic in the way they pursued the ball and put put Waterford very firmly on the back foot uh, when they should have been a lot more comfortable. But you'd have to say that structurally... Waterford are very sound. The fundamentals of their game that were there last year are even tighter now. Um, they conceded a goal late on, but it was the, really the only goal chance, apart from one half chance after that, that Stephen O'Keefe had to deal with. There were no goal chances really against them. Um, they're very, very secure in defence. I think Austin Gleeson pushing that bit higher up the pitch. He is such a class, such a quality hurler. Uh, with him in a more advanced position, I think we'll see we'll see more we'll see a more expansive game if 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 that is possible. I think also Patrick Curran's introduction. But yeah. to answer your question, they did get a scare when they shouldn't really have got one. Yes, uh, I was just going to come to Patrick Curran and, and Colin Dunford kind of in the in the corners. Like Waterford, we saw last year, they always had that swarm like bees tactics in defence, choking teams out of possession and trying to counter-attack, but didn't really have the forwards. Do you think Patrick Kern and Colin Dunford, and maybe even, you know, Austin Gleeson's main criticism that he has, he's a fantastic hurler. I'm from Waterford myself, but one yeah. of the criticisms that he gets is he goes for the Hollywood score from his own 45, his own 65. Do you think he should just think he well, has the options in the corner? He goes for the Hollywood though? score, as you call it, because he can really get them. I mean, yes. some of his, his striking is so crisp. It is so, so sweet. It really is to watch it. He can, he can generate 
such distance that he can afford to have a go at those. Uh, he is that type of player. Um, and in a more advanced position, I mean, if he was midfield, if he even gets up to centre forward, I think midfield is where he could possibly end up with this year with, with Dara Fives performing the, when Tomás de Burka yeah. comes back, maybe Dara Fives performing that um, that sweeping role, that give Austin the latitude to go midfield. With Dunford there and Jamie Barron, that presents a very, very strong and mobile and quick front across midfield. That that should really strengthen him. But I'd have no issue with him going for those scores because he can get them. We all remember his score in, in last year's, um, was it the league final yeah. or the, the Munster semi-final down along the wing in Temple Stadium? Magnificent. The guy can really, really nail them. And uh, he's the one player that I'm sure Derek McGrath will give license to go to go for those scores. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna to turn to Cork now. Uh, it's it's kind of poor Cork. They they had a bit of a moral victory there. Uh, um, Patrick Horgan kind of getting getting everything kind of steering towards that kind of late fight back, but. I see saw a lot of criticism in, in, in on comments and, and also friends I'm friends with a lot of people from Cork and a lot of people were very upset how Cork Herning is going. Do you not just think it's a bit of a, a teething period under the new manager or is this more of a crisis than I, I think it is? Well, I think Jimmy Barry Murphy performed minor miracles in yeah. 2013 and 2014. It looks like that now. Having said that, uh, when their backs were to the wall after two, two defeats to Waterford last year, they came out and they... They beat Clare and came from behind, came with a late finish to win that too. But they were very, very poor against Galway and very poor again against Galway. 3.55 they conceded in two matches back-to-back championship and then league against Galway. And for a long, long time last Saturday night, they were really off the pace. Uh, mistakes, badly beaten in so many aerial battles. Yeah. Uh, but players who wouldn't necessarily be tall or height didn't have a lot to do with it. Were just were just outfought and outfielded so often. Their uh, rook ball advantages was pretty strong. That's an area that they lost heavily to Galway in their previous two meetings. But they did well in that. They improved in that. But aerially very poor. Four wides just after half time really killed them. Uh, stopped momentum when they might have got it against the wind. Uh, maybe that's a sign of poor confidence. Horgan to his credit, really stepped up against Noel Connors. He hadn't the best of times against him in previous meetings, but at centre-forward, uh, I thought he showed a lot of leadership, as as did Conor Lehan, and they got a bit of a bounce from the likes of Alan Cadigan and Mark Ellis coming off the bench. And you'd have to say defensively, with Shane O'Neill sweeping, they, they, looked, uh, they looked more compact, but just their striking seems poorer than what you'd expect from the Cork. They just half. don't seem... They don't, they don't seem to be... It just doesn't come. It's not coming easy to them at all. They're, they're hurling, and uh, uh, they're in a they're in a bit of a bind. I think uh, they they're going to struggle in this division, no question. And the next game against Dublin is just so critical. Yeah, I completely agree. But for, before I get to Dublin, uh, we'll just move on to Kilkenny Tip and Kilkenny. You know, tr- trademark fight back for the Cats. There's nothing to worry about this year, surely. Nothing to worry about. Uh, I mean. I suppose they always have uh, issues about the length and breadth of their squad, I would think. Uh, having said that, Kevin Kelly, who has not started a championship game before, scores two goals. Maher 
is man of the match making his first league start. You have Robert Lennon coming in then at centre-back and playing so well. So all of these guys who we haven't seen a whole lot of can step up almost immediately. It's phenomenal, the culture that exists there, that these guys can come in and do a job against an experienced team like Tipperary as they did. And they did it without Richie Hogan, who had to withdraw last last Sunday beforehand. Uh, their ability to grind out a win, to hang in, grind out a win, and strike like that is just phenomenal. And it'll be very, very difficult for them, for, for, for anybody to catch them when they're in that frame of mind, I would think. And last that Sunday was a, a real illustration of the, the power of Kilkenny, as much as last the second half of last year's All-Ireland final was. It just shows that they're not going anywhere. They're still by easily the team to beat. And with Reid and Hogan hun- hungry as they are, uh, be very, very hard to catch them. My one concern for them would be Michael Fenley's injury problems. His back yeah. uh, seems to continually give him an awful lot of trouble. And, you know, when he came back into the frame last year, he, he really drove them on, made a big difference in the uh, in the All-Ireland Finals. So uh, uh, that would be their one concern. And maybe another run of injuries like they got last year, they might not be able to sustain them. That's That's their only concern. Maybe... The size of their squad could be could be an issue, and, but and they still have the best fifteen players to go and go and win another, another All Ireland title. Completely agree with you, and and while we're sticking with squads, just quickly, Seamus Callan was obviously he was an absentee. It, yeah. it was obvious it was obvious that he was he was an absentee. That's the problem. We're going on about squad size and. Tipperary have four departures over over the the winter. It's not going to be like Kenny last year uh, when they answered the critics after their four their f- main departures. Uh, is it? I think it's going to be a bit more of a problem. Would you agree with that? I would. I was surprised. I have to say that Shane McGrath and James Woodlock left. Uh, I was. I would have to say that they were they were their first choice midfield for quite yeah. some time. They still seem to me to be in pretty good form over the previous two championship seasons. Okay, there was times when. To be taken off, but in midfield that happens. Uh, so I was surprised that both of those were let go. Uh, I still think Tipperary could could do with them. They've obviously gone for a different type of player. Some of the some of the newer players coming in, there's a they're of a certain style. Um, and Michael Ryan clearly wants to introduce a steelier type of Tipperary player, but without Callan. Uh, they'll find it. They'll find it difficult. He is such such a prolific forward, as he has showed on so many occasions oh, over the definitely. last two three years. The fact that he keeps company two years running with Richie Hogan and T.J. Reid as the nominees for for hurler of the year says it all about where he has taken his game in those two years. So a lot a lot depends on him. I thought Brend- restoring Brendan Maher to halfback. Uh, He's a good positive move. Yeah. I just think he was a little lost further upfield. Maybe midfield is his spot. Um, but I think Brendan Maher is better facing the ball the way he has been for the last two games. Uh, and I'd like to see Park Maher at, at 7 too. I think that is his his strongest position. Yeah, and it's good to see Noel McGrath back as well. But m- moving now on to Dublin. Uh, they got a much-needed win against Galway. A little bit of a surprise after Galway's impressive, impressive game last week. 
they've been Galway now twice this year. They were better in the Welsh Cup. I think it was handy enough as well. But is will this have any impact on the Leinster Championship this year? I don't think so. I think that's the nature of this league, and no one better illustrates that than Dublin over the years. Was it 2014? They lost horribly to Galway down in Salt Hill and yeah. came back up to Parnell Park and and beat Clare. And they're quite like, like that. For every bad performance in the league that they produce, they seem to produce a very good one then. And it happened <laughs> last year with the early wins uh, over to beat Kilkenny and then went up to Crow Park and were hammered by Cork. And it's Crow Park again for that game with Cork needing to win. And that's difficult for Dublin, especially in Crow Park, where their record is nowhere near as good as Parnell Park. They go back to 2011 against Galway since they, since they, uh, since they lost the game in Parnell Park. They have a 75% plus win record there. I think they've only lost three times since Anthony Daly took over as manager in 2009. They've only lost three Parnell Park games there so it just shows how good they are in that pitch in contrast to Crow Park which is a worry in itself because if they're going to win a championship again it's in Crow Park where obviously their record isn't as good yeah and and, and I was skipping on to, to the one big uh Clare's win adv- I was watching this game Clare's win advantage in the second half definitely was a help uh Wexford I know um they missed a free as well on their own twenty-one in front of the post. Like it was the commentator on Satanta, I think it was said it was a hurricane wind. He, he described it as, but and also the introduction of young Bobby Duggan who tore Waterford in the under twenty-one monster championship last year. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him. They, he seemed to be enough for Clare. Are they the favourites for the promotion and the or the bounce back in their case this season? Well, I suppose it boils down to what happens on on March twenty uh, when Clare and Limerick meet in what is now effectively the decider to see who yeah. goes back up because obviously Wexford have fallen off the pace and I don't think Kerry, Leash or Offley are just in that league. So it, it boils down to that and that's three days after the All-Ireland final when the Piercig players. So it's a big decision for them whether they come out and play that game or whether they're made available uh, for that. Uh, player don't have Tony Kelly but I don't think that will bother them until until then. Uh I would say they probably are slight favourites because of the absence of the Piercy players. That handicaps Limerick somewhat. Uh, to go back to Bobby Duggan, I would agree. I thought last year he was going; he would really, really make an impact. Uh, I think, I think he will and can this year. But I just have doubts about the player defence generally. That they, they may not just be, uh, they may not just be as good as they looked in 2013 and. Uh, I think they'll get it very hard defensively to get back up to up to that standard. But they've done everything right so far. I think Wexford have been a disappointment, not just this year, but last year too, in the league. Uh, I think they've been a disappointment. And obviously, they've lost Jack Guiney again. Uh, and that may have an impact on morale. I'm not so sure, maybe. But he's a he's a, he's a a big figure for them, and he's a loss. But they've got Conor McDonald back now, so... The pressure is probably off Wexford. They know they're they're unlikely to be a Division One A team next year. Uh, target is another league quarter final and see can they can they make any progress that way. But they have been a disappointment. 
Yeah, and finally, before we move to the football, we can't go without saying everyone's current, their favourite underdog, and Kerry putting it up to a very strong Limerick side. You know, Gavin O'Mahony and they had Keane Lynch as well starting. Um, do you do they need another point at least to avoid a relegation battle for themselves? And do you think we'll be seeing them in the Munster Championship in a few years' time? I know they're they're in the Leinster. They're in the Leinster, which is it's really ironic that they're able to put it up to Limerick. Uh, I suppose Limerick had a big lead in that game, and Kerry yeah. fought their whack, fought their way back into it. Uh, so look, they've been progressing nicely through Christie Ring Cup fair over the last few years, and their win against Leash was was really really solid, really solid. Uh, yes, they will need. Uh, they will need another, another point, two points, perhaps, to uh, to avoid a relegation battle. Uh, if you know, just to be safe. Yeah. Uh, it'd be a great story if Kerry kept their foot to the floor, and who knows, maybe they can uh, spring a surprise further up the way. I'm sure no one will like travelling down there to play them. So, it's been a great story so far. Uh, the game needs more teams, and if they keep progressing in a few years' time, maybe they will get to Munster Championship standard. And Colm, just moving on to football, uh, the Motion 41 proposal, the Mark proposal, is set to be rejected by Congress. Uh, Kerry, along with other county boards, seem to be in favour of introducing a sort of Mark system or something along that line. What would your b- opinion be on that? I'd be in favour of it, uh, and have been in favour of it in the two previous Congresses that it has been put before delegates. Uh, I think it would, quite evidently, the public, and I think the Football Review Committee would have found that in their surveys a few years ago, uh, the public would like to see more high fielding. It's a skill that has decreased, I suppose, in the game. Obviously, uh, the tactic of breaking ball is very, very effective for for uh, for opponents. Uh, who, who may not have the same aerial advantage as, as other teams. I think rewarding a mark from a kick-out between the two 45s will encourage more players and more teams to seek the catch rather than the break because it gives obvious territorial advantage uh, with, a, with a free kick. I suppose some people will say, well, you're, you're rewarding one skill over the other. Why, why don't you reward a block? Some people will you know, put that argument up. But I would say that catching a kick out uh, in a forest of bodies uh, is as hard a skill to execute as you can get. And I would also think that most most of the innovations and most of the rule changes in the GA over the last number of years has suited the faster player. Yeah. And this accommodates this gives a greater, deeper role if it's if it's passed for the bigger player. Do you not? And uh, do you not think game it's game Gaelic football should be for all shapes and sizes? Do you not think it's given a sort of a, an unfair advantage to uh, against the hand passing counties such as such as Ulster counties, Tyrone, Donegal? Uh, do you not think that other counties should uh, learn to adapt their game to combat that? Uh, well, you say hand passing counties. Uh, I thought it was the. It's called Gaelic football, and it's called that for a reason because the primacy is on kicking and consequently catching. And I think it's imperative of legislators to stick as closely to those principles as possible. 
And if that means the introduction of a reward for a remark, I would be supportive of that. The idea is to place as much emphasis on kicking the ball as possible. And this is a very, very small measure that leads towards that. And that's why I would be in favour of it. It's not a very big measure. Teams will still try to break the ball away to deny the mark, and that will happen perhaps even more. But the reward is, if you hang on to, hang on to it, when you land, you are not surrounded by six, seven, eight bodies who frisk you, take the ball away, and the effort that you made to execute that catch is in vain. And that won't happen under these circumstances. And I think support is gathering for it. I know Dublin are now supporting it. Kildare, Meath, Kerry and Limerick, Tipperary, a lot of counties are behind it. It got 60, almost 65% of the vote. It was 1.64%, a handful of votes, a small number of votes away from crossing the line three years ago. And I don't see why that should change. I don't see why a trial mix makes any difference. Uh, I think it will be minimal. I think six catches is about the average in an inter-county match. That's not a big giveaway to anybody, and I don't see how it impacts at all on teams that prefer hand-passing the ball. Colm, uh, uh, I grew up watching Mead. My father's from Mead, and, you know, the glory years in the late 90s and the early 2000s when it started to decline. And first, you know, Sean Boylan kind of came out at the start of the year and said, you know, he was giving his take on the status of Gaelic football at the minute. And then in response, you know, Trevor Giles has come out, in I think, a week ago, and he said that footballers don't need to be good kickers of the ball anymore. They just need to be strong runners and good hand passes. Do you think that is a fair comment, or do you think he's... I know I know, I, I get your sentiment there, but do you think he, Trevor Giles has been a bit harsh there? Um, I think there's a lot of good kickers. I think the quality of kicking is, is very, very good from an awful lot of players. I, 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 I just don't see... I just don't see the argument that it's as poor as some people make it out to be. I think the quality and the skills are very good. I think the problem is we don't see enough of them. Uh, there are a lot of good kickers of the ball in Gaelic football. Uh, off left, off right, off the side of the foot, off the instep, everything. And we need to see more of it. because those, These are the skills that the public want to see. And I think if you dig down deep enough, these are the skills that the players themselves want to be performing. Only they are tied to structure, they are tied to particular game plans that don't allow them to express themselves because there is a win-at-all-costs win mentality that permeates through most teams. Um, uh, but the encouragement of kicking the ball as much as possible should be there, and if coaches aren't going to implement it, legislators should. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with you, especially coming from Donegal. I don't think there's many players much better than Neil Gallagher or Michael Murphy in the air, but you just don't see them. Don't see uh, long passes enough for them to to show off that skill. Yeah, but, I, I go back to last year's uh, <coughs> last year's match against uh, quarter final against Armagh for Donegal, and their early goal was through a direct long ball, a kick out caught, direct ball in, and Patrick yeah. McBearty won it. And they scored an early goal from from that. And Donegal are very, very well equipped to kick the ball at any time. I mean, Michael Murphy is (laughs) a supreme kicker, (laughs) as we can see. I don't don't see Donegal certainly having an issue with that, with 
with with the mark, especially with Murphy and Neil Gallagher's ability, and indeed Oren McNeilis's ability to catch a ball. Uh, I think it'll be to their advantage. Yeah, the skill is definitely there. Anyway, we'll we'll just move it on to the league. Uh, Ross Common are kind of uh, punching above their weight this year, but they've been threatening to do so for the past couple of years now. Uh, do you see them coming through uh, in a couple of years' time to compete with the big dogs? I do. I think I think this management team will be patient, and I think they'll be given patience, or they'll be given time to be allowed to retain that patience. I was at the Kerry match two just over two weeks ago, and they are an extremely fit team. They have a lot of pre-season done. Uh, they're an extremely fit team. They outran Kerry in the end, who obviously didn't have as much much done as them, and Kerry in February haven't been uh, as, as, as good as they are, obviously, in, in, in July and August. But I do see Russ Common. I really like Enda Smith. I think he's a very, very strong ball carrier. Uh, very penetrating with his runs. Uh, whether he's a midfielder or not, certainly under the kickout, it doesn't appear so. But he may not have to be if they can compensate. I think, I think the absence of big physical players in midfield that can stay the pace will catch them out eventually. They'll have to improvise a lot to be able to disguise that deficiency in their game. But I certainly like Smith. As a footballer, I think he's very, very good. And Carl Craig, the last day, kicked four magnificent points. We're talking about kickers of the ball there earlier. Well, this guy is really, really good. And he's a, he's a great target man, a great presence for them. Uh, they have a lot of good players coming through, obviously off the back of some under-21 successes in Connacht. And I think if they survive Division One this year, and it's a big if because they're going to have to pick up at least two and probably four points to avoid the drop. And that's still a big ask. I'm sure they'll target beating down, but they'll have to beat Mayo, Cork, or Donegal, and that's difficult for them. Yeah, uh, Because obviously Dublin come to Roscommon, and that's a game I don't think they'll be winning. Yeah, their best chance is definitely against Down or Cork this year, I know, as far as I can see. Dublin are sitting in second. Uh, they've uh, confirmed that they're sticking with O'Neill's this year. Um, do, you, do you see the floodgates opening from now on for uh, other teams swapping manufacturers to larger companies like Adidas and Puma? Uh, I think it was very significant that Dublin stayed with O'Neill's yeah. because I do know that there was uh, Dublin were very keen and had better offers financially. But I don't think they were going to risk uh, contravening the rule book on this occasion, uh, which obviously states that gear must be of Irish manufacture. Now, there are, they thought that maybe there are ways around that, but in the end, they stayed loyal to O'Neill's. I think we will see a shake-up in that market in time. I think we see new entrants in the market. I, I would, I'm surprised there hasn't been more uh, changing over to those who are licensed at the moment, and there are two. But I think we'll see more licensees in time to come and uh, more change and that market opening up a lot more. But Dublin came very close to it. They have a three-year deal now. I think we'll see change the next time, perhaps. That's perfect, Colm. Uh, thanks very much for uh, joining us in the studio. Uh, we, uh, we'll let you go after that, uh, after that now. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. You can read thanks very much, stuff Brad. on the Irish Independent, and I'm sure there's loads to come over the coming season. And you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Keys Column, isn't it, Column? 
That's it. Uh, thanks a million for that, uh, Colin. Uh, we really appreciate it. No problem, lads, any time. Well, in my opinion, the Mark system is a bit of a joke. It's it's not really something that's going to come into the come into the GAA as such. I agree with Colm when he says maybe stopping short kickouts or from the kickouts have to pass the 45-metre line or something like that there. But if you stop the game from uh, if you stop the game every time a, a pass goes pass goes forty five thirty yards, then it's it's just going to slow it down even further, and I think it's going to be detrimental to the game, uh, and it's not going to improve it at all. But uh, I can see where Colm's coming from. Short kickouts, they they aren't really very attractive to look at, and uh, it's not really nice to watch a team try kick it out from the the back line. I mean, it's not soccer. But uh, anyway, we'll move on to our rugby segment now where Jack O'Toole and Billy will be talking to Sam Phillips from Courier Mail in Australia about Super Rugby. We are now joined by the Courier Mail, Sam Phillips. Thanks very much for joining us, Sam. Um, we're going to start with the Australian Super Rugby teams. Are the Waratahs Australian rugby's best hopes this season? Mate, I don't think so. I think uh, you're probably looking a bit further, uh, further south to Canberra. I think the Brumbies will probably be... Um, our best shot of a Super Rugby title this year. I think the Waratahs losing, I, I think coaches are always overrated, but I think losing Czech is going to be a big deal. He seems like he's uh, got a fair grip on, on those guys, and there's a few big outs, um, especially losing Bernard Foley in that in that first month. Um, with an in- injury in the trial uh, last week, that's going to be really tough to overcome. They'll have to bring Curtly Beal into 10. He hasn't played there much in the last few years. Um, but I think the Brumbies, with with Pocock um, and just with the stability they've got, Pocock's a. I was watching the Reds trial against the Brumbies uh, at Ballymore the other day. I was reporting on it, and he's just unbelievable to watch live. He's he's like, not, like nothing else I've ever seen in person, and I think he's um, him along with the stability they've got. I think that they're probably the uh, the best the best title shot. So those those four hundred and fifty crunches a day seem to be paying off for him. <laughs> I uh, saw someone reading that at work the other day. I, I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't believe. Do you believe that? I don't know. It's a lot of crunches. I mean, he, he, he's. He, and you look at his body though, physically. Like the guy's an oh. absolute specimen, isn't he? It's absolutely ridiculous. Like I've never seen. What's well, the? I, I don't know if you heard the old rumors when you were still here, mate. But uh, the rumor is when he was boarding at Churchy, they had to um, they had to lock him out of the gym because he spent four or five sessions a day in there. <laughs> uh, he was boarding there. They had to close it. So, mate, that doesn't surprise me that he's like that. He's, his body's obviously obviously a temple, and uh, oh, he's, his core strength is just unbelievable. So he's by far the best player in, uh, in Australia at the moment. I think he'll, um, he'll steer the Brumbies to some success. Yeah, absolutely, and I can believe that. Probably Dr. Water is probably a great analogy yeah. for him to the gym. Um, now, now, Sam, there's been talks about Dale Gibson possibly trying Israel Folau out at centre this season. Um, is that a bit more of a possibility now that Curtly Beal is probably going to go at 10, or does that kind of change things there? Yeah, you'd think so. I, I think I think Beal was... I read a story the other day, Beal was talking about these guys, a few a few younger kids who are who a chance, but in, if, I, if you're thinking realistically... Um, I think it's probably the perfect time to throw Folau in there and see what he can do. I don't know whether that fits in with uh, what Czech wants to do at the end of the year with the Wallabies, but you'd think there's a guy named uh, Andrew Kellaway who's played a fair bit of uh, Waratah's 20s and Australian schoolboys and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. he uh, has been an absolute superstar since since probably grade 11 at uh, the Scots College in, in Sydney, and he 
will probably, I think, personally, I think he should probably get a starting role either somewhere in the back three um, and see Folau move a bit closer. I think Folau, the most important thing is that he's, he's healthy again. Like, I don't mean to be a biased Australian, but I think if he was fit, we probably, we might, might have won the World Cup final rather than not have, he barely had an impact in the last couple of games. And he said the other day that, I, um, I actually said to Checker, I, I, don't, I didn't really think I was up to it. So I think they'll sort of nurse him along, but I think uh, some time at centre as well will definitely uh, will definitely happen in the first four weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I think if he's fit, I mean, that's he's, he's so essential to what they do, and he's such like you know. And then also, you got to consider how much um, he really soaks up a lot of defensive pressure as well. I mean, how much of a um, a target he is for other teams, which can be great as a decoy runner as well. Um, now we move on to the other Australian team, Sam. The Rebels have had a bit of a mixed preseason. They got absolutely walloped by the Blues, and then they pumped yeah. Samoa there in the preseason. Um, and then also we look at the Reds. Bit of a miserable campaign last time out. Do you see either of those sides faring better at all this season? Mate, I'll tell you, I, don't, I certainly don't see the Reds faring better. Right? <laughs> um, obviously, I obviously keep quite a close eye on them, um, having having that being my uh, my job, unfortunately. And I think <laughs> from what we've seen from the, from the trial form is that they are so far off the pace. They obviously, trials are trials, and you don't want to read too much into it. But you just look at their outs, like, you look at that, they're out to Quay Cooper, Will Genia, James Hall, Adam Thompson, James O'Connor, Lockie Turner, Ben Tapawai, and James Hansen. And you'd be lucky to pick. You've got your, your Goromaru, Nabuli, Neville, top, Henry Typhoon, Kane Douglas all coming in. But really, are they any, any of them top top rate players? If you ask the Japanese, Goromaru's handy, but he's not much He's not much good other than being able to kick above 80%. Um, I think they'll be, they'll be below par. Uh, here's, here's a flaming hot take for you. I think we'll see... Jack McIntyre started. Everyone knows Jack McIntyre will start against the Waratahs this weekend at number to replace Quaid. But I think uh, Sam Green, who uh, is an absolutely elite kicker off the tee and a real attacking flair, I think he might be the one to sort of spark a. If he can get together with Samu Karevi and play and put him through holes, mate. Samu Samu's a Wallaby level player um and Absolutely. green I think, just has that as that more attacking flair compared to um to compared to jake mcintyre who's a really good all-round player but i don't think he's quite got that um that mind for the game that green does um in terms of the rebels i think you have to sort of look at their outside backs like they've got a few sean mcmahon's an absolute superstar um he is is easily probably i think he's their best player um and I think their back row and their scrum is, is underrated. Um, but I also think out wide, when you're relying on Dom Shipley um, and Tom English, who can pretty much catch the ball and score, and that's about it, I think they might be in a bit of trouble out there. I think they, they will probably be better than the Reds. Um, the Reds and the Force will just be abysmal, but I think they'll, uh, they'll still be mid-table and not be able to get over that hump that they, uh, they always seem to be stuck at. Sam, do you think someone like Brad Thorne, who's been tuned into the coach and taken in the Reds, can you know work towards you know toughening up that Reds pack who've lost the likes of James Horwell? Did you hear yeah, that? The other day. Not, not so long. Can you hear me? You good? Yeah, yeah. Did you hear that, Sam? It's just just a question there about Brad Thorne, um, about about him coming into the uh, the Reds coaching ticket and if they'll be able to kind of I suppose toughen up. Um, a Reds pack that's probably obviously as you mentioned lost James Horwell, Adam Thompson mm, yeah you'd you think I was speaking to, not to bloody name drop 
but I was talking to Brad the other day, and he was kind of impressed with a, a few guys, uh, particularly Caden Neville. He thinks he can be a, a wallaby um, in the next couple of years, but he's working really hard with the 20s at the moment. Um, obviously, Queensland always have good quality schoolboys on hand, um, and he's sort of just showing them. He basically has, has said, all I'm going to do is show them what it takes to play for however long he played, 20, 22 years um, at this level, and he was a superstar at that at that level. He's got such, as you speak about that toughness, elite line-out jumper. Um, he's just a leader of men. And I think he, him and he's been working closely with Rob Simmons and, and Caden Neville as the key uh, four and five to sort of make sure that they're the ones who steer the pack around along with, um, obviously, James Slipper. But he's been a good addition. If he, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me maybe if Rob and, uh, and Caden end up doing you know, some stage of the year, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a, a slight cameo from Brad as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an absolute bionic man um, with how long he played for, so at, at this rate, I, I believe anything with Brad Torn. Um, but Sam, <laughs> since you're in the business of name-dropping there, I thought I might do yeah. something similar suit if you're going to lead the way that way. Um, <laughs> I used to play with Sam Green, actually, years ago, a long time ago now. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, always, even from that age, from about 14, he's been a sensational kicker. Um, even with his time at Brisbane Grammar, he's been, you know, he's, he's kicking them out from 50, 55. He's, mm. he's got an unbelievable boot. Um, now, there's question marks then over his defence, and there probably is still now, even with, with, with Brothers Rugby. Um, and in the Super Rugby, if he's going to get thrown in that arena, obviously, you know, he got bigger, better ball carriers as well. Um, mm. Is that, that would probably be his one area of concern, maybe? Yeah, you talk to any sort of anyone with in the know um, with Red Staff, and that's their main concern. To be honest, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's exaggerated. I think there are occasionally times where he might shirk it a little bit, um, and that that doesn't help his reputation. But I distinctly remember, I think it was Brothers against uh, GPS when Samu Karevi was still running, like just about to make his breakout, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And he was running straight at Green, probably 10 out from the brother's line, and Green just chopped him in half. And this is at the stage where Karevi and Sam Johnson for Jeeps were just tearing everyone to shreds, nearly single-handedly carried Jeeps to a um, to a Premier Rugby Premiership. So he definitely is capable. He's almost, he's almost not to put him in the same breath as Quade Cooper, but I remember when, first, when Quade first came, um, I'd be sitting with my dad at the rugby, and he would he would come on with his big mohawk and stuff, and dad would always <laughs> blow up because he would he would shirk contact. And Granny's a bit like that, but he um, it's 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 always a mental thing with defense. He's shown he can do it physically, um, and it's a concern. But if if he gets out there, say say they play him twenty five minutes this this week, and he gets out there and makes six or seven tackles and. Um, steers him around with his boot. I think he's a very good chance of replacing Jake at some stage. Mm. Yeah, go on, No, I don't have any names to drop, but my barber <laughs> did once cut Israel Falau's hair, so that's <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> that's it. Um, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I was going to say there, Sam, was but the Reds have been used to this before. I mean, they often used to hide Cooper in the fence as well, so I'm sure they can probably tactically maybe hide him in some of the wing, maybe drop him back at fullback. They might maybe be tempted to do that. Yeah, I think uh, I think Richard has been looking after the defence a bit more now that they've brought in um, Matt O'Connor to steer the back. And I think that's something that they're trying to... If I remember correctly, Chekhov kind of said, we're going to just run in, when, like when he did play for the Wallabies, which was barely, he said, we're going to run in in that 10 channel and he's going to have to deal with it. And I think Richard sort of pandered to the superstars last year um, 
and did what they wanted to do. We all know how well that worked out. So I think he might sort of do things his own way and he, we might even see Green in the front line. But if it becomes such if it becomes such a liability like Quaid was in his early years, you can't afford to have someone like that in your 10 channel. You've got to have someone who is able to... You, the, the luxury they used to have was Anthony Foyinga, but he's about as useless as a... Yeah, he's... he's Insert whatever you want there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Anthony Flying is about as uh, his his voice his voice is useful and that's about it. So they don't have that guy that luxury who can just chop legs anymore. But I think Green, as I said, once he fixes his mentality up a bit, he will uh, he'll be okay. Absolutely. Um, now, just when we look at the leadership kind of team, I mean, obviously James and Will have been such an instrumental part of that team for so many years. Um, and obviously even Adam Thompson. I mean, that's that's a big voice in the, in the dressing room as well. And, and even Quaid to to some extent. Um, who do you think now has emerged as the leaders of this current squad? You, you, the thing with James, particularly James, you speak about how James and Will were the two leaders. Will, and you, and you hear about you hear about this every now and then through different people, but Will kind of is always focused on how well he played, um, and, okay. and you always get that vibe from him as well. Like he's a great guy, don't get me wrong, but. James is always. If James didn't touch the footy and the Reds won by thirty, he'd be the happiest man alive. So there, there is that lack of vocal support. Rob Simmons isn't exactly the most vocal guy I've ever met. Um, neither is James Slipper. So it almost comes down to guys like Liam Gill talks a lot on the park. They'll they'll really um, need him to sort of pipe up a bit more. I know for a fact Nick Frisby is very uh, very chirpy, not only like in in just chat but also. In a bit of banter, so they'll they'll get they'll get behind a bit of that, and guys like Carmichael Hunt um, as well. That, that his voice from the back will be important. He's been he's been superb in there too. He's been by I think he's been by far their his, their best player mm. in their uh, in their two trials. So they'll need him to step up um, because Slipper and Simmons, while they're the two sort of earmarked leaders, they are sort of lead with their uh, lead with their actions, guys. Um, now, yeah, you just mentioned Liam Gill there. Obviously, he's been he's actually been very unlucky not to be involved in any of the Wallaby squads, really, because I think he has been very good for the Reds over the last couple of years. But he's on his way to France now at the end of the season, the latest player to leave the Reds. Is this, I mean, we're obviously going to go through a rebuilding process, but I know you're a fan of basketball as well. Mm. Are we looking at the Boston Celtics here? Are we looking at the Philadelphia 76ers? Which, which one is this going to go? It's not close to the Boston Celtics. I think it's a lot closer to... Uh... To Philly or even Phoenix at the moment, they're a bloody abomination. So I think it's closer to, it's closer to them at the moment. Um, the only, the only, the only thing I can add to that is that uh, that Liam made it known to many people that he was not a fan of Richard. Um, I think he was told that Richard would not be there, and then they couldn't get anyone else to uh, to sign up. Um, and therefore, Liam has said, "Okie doke. Well, I'm going to uh, spend some time on the beaches in the south of France. So <laughs> he he will be back. Um, I think he'll be back probably 2019. Back to the Reds. Um, it's a it's a pretty big blow because, as you said, he, he plays for any other country. He's probably their starting seven. So he's he's a superstar. Um, and he was their far and away their best player last year. Um, so it's a big loss, but uh, that's what you get when you hire a guy who's got a 27% winning percentage. The Highlanders are defending champions, but largely came out of nowhere last season, having come mm. almost dead last in 2013. They only have four All Blacks in their side, but have a real workman-like quality to their play. How difficult do you think it will be for them to repeat as champions? Oh, uh, that's a good question. It's it's all it's it's also 
like no one thought they were going. I didn't think anyone thought they were going to win um, the the final. They were just explosive in that. They sort of peaked right at the right time of the year. Um, and guys like Smith, both, well, all three Smiths, so Ben Conrad and um, Aaron, as well as Feki Toa, if you get them clean ball, and 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 as you said, like their workmen like Pack sort of did enough to get them get them that ball. They're just unbelievable. Like Ben Smith is a, the most underrated. I, I guess he's he's probably rated because he's always almost always in World Cup teams of the yeah, tournament and because he's all, of the year. He, but he's he's so much better than uh, than he appears to the to the average rugby watcher. He's unbelievable. So is Conrad Smith. He's played dozens of tests for the All Blacks and Feki Toa. He's almost like a, a, a more agile version of Samu Karevi. Um, I, I think they've got the talent to do it. But to whether they can get past the Hurricanes, who were, I, I think I said, I think I said like eight weeks into the year last year that they'd win the comp, and I didn't think they think I didn't think they'd lose a game. So I got made to look a bit silly there, but <laughs> I, uh, I think I think they're red hot. They're red hot favourites. Yeah, I think you're right about Ben Smith. You know, he's almost renowned for not being known. So it kind of yeah. the two of them cancel each other out. The, the Hurricanes were obviously the side that the Highlanders beat en route to last year's championship. They've lost a lot of players, most notably, you know, Nanu, Conrad Smith, Smith, even likes of Jeremy Thrush and Ben Franks. How do you think they're going to fare this uh, this season? Yeah, I think as as, as important as uh, as Nanu was last year, and it, particularly in the World Cup, he sort of came into his own. You almost you almost think their system is so good, like the way they play is is unbelievable. The way they, the way he plays, is almost sorry. The way the Hurricanes play is almost any unlike any other side. It's almost to draw back to some uh, some basketball terminology. The Golden State Warriors these days they often switch um, on pick and rolls of, of every kind, just because they've got so many guys who can fit in so many positions. And it's the same with the Hurricanes. Their their forwards are backs. Their backs are forwards. They can run the ball from any part any part of the field they have guys like uh, Milner Skudner who can just break a game at any at any uh, any moment they like TJ Paranara is unbelievable I think he probably is New Zealand's best halfback um, on his day and and obviously they've got Bowden Barrett running the show so I think as despite losing Nonu who was he I think he might have been world uh, world cup player of the tournament he he is replaceable, um, and I think I think I would be tipping them to win the comp. Yeah, you're right. Like, if the, you look at the highlights video of last season, a lot of those tries yeah. came from came from that uh, Hurricanes team. This season, we're going to see the Jaguars and the Sunwolves introduced to the South African conferences. How difficult yeah. is it going to be for those sides? Um, I was having this conversation today. Actually, we would. We're putting together a um, bit of a preview, and I think the line was from one of our writers that the only the only game that those two teams will win is is if they play each other. I think <laughs> it's going to be tough. Like I think the, uh, the the Sunwolves in particular, they've played one trial match. They've got they've just brought together a bunch of guys. Um, some of them are Japanese. They managed to snag out of their their contracts with Japanese clubs um, and they've, and then they've pulled together a few sort of expats. Like guys like 
when you got guys like Ed Quirk as your franchise signing, like you're in big trouble. Like you <laughs> so that they're going to be they're going to be tough. And, they, and the thing is, they've got so much travel to do as well. Um, yeah. I, I really think they'll they'll battle. But I think to be honest, I'm a I'm a rugby writer, and I don't think I could name you three players who play for the Kings. So I think you're um, you're in a bit of trouble if you can't do that as well. And and reportedly they're broke. Like I don't know how they actually got into the competition. <laughs> So, I think it's going to be a long season. Like I, I, I know I support the Reds, but I'm glad I'm not supporting those two teams. Yeah, wow, my God. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Sam. We really appreciate it. You can read Sam's work in the Courier Mail, and you can also follow more of his work on Simmons Street at SimmonsStreet.net. Thanks very much, Sam. We really, we'd like to have you on for longer, but unfortunately, with time constraints, we've got to keep it moving here. So, um, yeah. yeah, thanks very much, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See ya. See you later, Sam. All the best.